Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we're in part two in our conversation on hospitality. We hope you enjoy. Yeah. So it's an attitude of um, a desire to learn, willingness to be taught, um, and seeking to understand instead of identifying who the enemy is or um, making sure you win a conversation. So it's a different, it's a different approach to discussing difficult things, which we do all the time in the, in the refuge, but also just in our day-to-day lives, we have to have difficult conversations and it's much, people are more likely to come to you to have those difficult conversations because if you are hospitable, if you are gracious, if it's not about beating someone or having a better idea, then you can experience a lot more personal growth and learn things about other people and yourselves by knowing that like, if you have a reputation as someone who can have a good conversation, no matter what it is compared to like, man, don't talk, don't touch that subject with that guy. He just goes off the rails and it's just not, it's not a fun experience. Why even talk about it? It's why faith and politics are such like hot potato issues. And like Wes, you and I have known each other a long time. My two favorite topics are faith and politics. I think the only reason why I have a lot of friends is, or I have friends is because they work with me or they're related to me and they have to deal with how we talk about those things. But I love leaning into them in a, hosp- in, in a gracious way, not about like making sure everyone agrees with me, but just learning about it because they're really complicated things that make people want to be inhospitable or not. Um, so as an organization, <laughs> the refuge is wanting to have a reputation around the city of creating this space. So there's like within the recovery community, there is a, there are, there are divisions, believe it or not, between how we even, how we even do programming. like around the city of Columbus, there's medically assisted treatment places and abstinence based places. And there was a really fairly intense riff between these two camps for a while. When I first started at the refuge five years ago, I don't think it's as intense now, but Can you define uh, that for, for sure. people listening? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Medically assisted treatment would be a place where you can um, get Suboxone, Methadone, uh, places that curb the withdrawal symptoms. So it's replacing one drug with another, with the hopes on paper that you slowly wean yourself off of one of the other drugs. Abstinence. So that's medically assisted treatment. And there's a lot of drugs where you have to detox out of hospital. So if you're on benzos or alcohol, um, for those of you not within the recovery world, um, benzos is, is a, is a drug and then alcohol. If you are an intense alcoholic or you're on benzos, you have to go to a hospital to detox from them in a safe, healthy way. All the others, um, withdrawal just sucks. So medically assisted treatment, that seems to be a barrier for people want seeking out help is the fear and reality that like, I am going to go through withdrawal symptoms and they're terrible. So medically assisted treatment is also, um, keeps a lot of people alive. Um, so our goal at the refuge and how we have been striving to, I guess, walk through this, um, that tension specifically to be hospitable towards other organizations is knowing that like what we do, we want to do really, really well, which is abstinence-based. So there's no 
no drugs, um, mood altering drugs or our narcotics that help guys get through withdrawal symptoms. And we constantly are saying like, look, we, this is how we're going to do it, but we're not going to demonize or make it an us versus them thing. Cause we are that next, often that next step for people outside of, um, wanting to get away from medically assisted treatment where they want to have long-term recovery if that's what they want. So I hope I explained that uh, clearly and concisely enough. So that's an example organizationally that I've experienced personally is an organization who is medically assisted treatment, knowing that we're abstinence-based, referring guys to us. So people who do things very different than us, who aren't often aren't believers, sending people that they are in charge of caring for to us. So they're entrusting other men to us. That's to me is an example of how we are doing well as an organization today, being hospitable and gracious in our city. So you had anything to add to that one? You know, I think, no, that, that's, that's a good example. I, I just, I think I would just pause and, and ask anyone listening, but also ask you and myself, just, it's fascinating to me like, why do we get so offended when people disagree with our beliefs? Like we, we only, we struggle with wanting to surround ourselves with people that believe the same things we do. And we get so threatened when people don't. And the reality is, why does it matter? Like literally, why does it matter? If what I believe is true and I believe it's true, what does it matter if somebody else agrees with me or not? Because I think personally, it's because it's perceived as a threat. It's an identity because someone's put their identity in that belief system. So like, let's say you're as, you know, you and I are both Christians. We both, we're both team Jesus. We think Jesus is real. If we're friends with someone or someone comes up and says, I think Jesus isn't real. Um, and I think anyone who believes that is, you know, a little silly. So we could respond um, if we're not if we're going to get upset about it, it's because we, our identity is, is being a Christian. If there's someone saying, well, your identity isn't solid, like there's that thought in the back of at least my head when I'm challenged by really difficult things, when it comes to faith, it's just like, if they're right, that would be really scary. But that's something that I've got to, that I get to work through. And that's a, I'm using a really big example, really personal, deep uh, conviction or core value as a, example when people disagree with me it's scary because i care about them but also it's it can be scary um because i want it i want it to be true and if it's not it i think in paul in the new testament says and we are the we are the biggest fools of all um if the resurrection no, isn't true yeah yeah mm-hmm. you teed this up perfectly for me because that's exactly my point my point is we mm-hmm. get super out of shape about things we have no control over and we cannot control how other people believe. Yeah. And at the end of the day, instead of getting frustrated and angry and, and saying things maybe that probably aren't super helpful for the other person, why not, why not, you know, boldly, <clears throat> but calmly, you know, we can say what we believe, but why not show that person the love of Christ? Mm. Um. That's probably yeah. more of a more uh, attractive than trying to win an argument. I don't know. I, it might be just because I was a bad pastor. I'm not a pastor anymore. But like, <laughs> I never 
you know, convinced somebody just purely through argument or logic that God was real. Yeah. Um, or by hating or by hating their team. Yes. Right. Never yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We'll be back with part three of our conversation on hospitality tomorrow. We'll see you then.